0: Ducks fans are you ready you are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast this is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis here we go Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, and I have a different show for you this time. Instead of the weekly show, I'm going to have a special guest, uh, Jordan Samuels-Thomas, on, and we're going to talk about uh, Silverberg, the Ducks, uh, how they're doing, the trade deadline, uh, all kinds of other stats and things and whatnot. So uh, sit back and enjoy the show, and uh, Jordan, thanks for coming on uh, the second time.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm always excited to get on the line with you and talk Ducks hockey.
0: Yeah, it was fun. I remember last time uh, we had a good conversation last season, and, and then you've written a couple more really good articles for The Athletic. So I uh, figured we'd talk a little bit, especially about uh, Silverberg. Uh, he's been you know, a big topic with this team. You wrote an article on him, and I, I think you'll agree, but a lot of people focus on uh, goals and assists and scoring. But uh, when you look at uh, Silverberg and him making the All-Star game, it isn't just about uh, point production, is it?
1: No, it's not. And he's doing the point production part. Uh, very balanced score. He's been consistent for them every year. But it's really the the little things. I mean, the Ducks haven't found the on-eye success, but he's the type of guy that if you know, the team was in contention, he'd be the guy who would be out there with the last minute of the game out there defending the lead, or the same guy would be out there if their team needed a goal. So I think he's a really important player for the Ducks who's had a really strong season, and it's always good to see him get rewarded uh, with the All-Star selection because they could have easily gone with a more familiar name like Getz or Fowler, but they went with a guy who truly deserved it.
0: Yeah, I agree as far as him truly deserving. I'm right there with you. You you know what's kind of interesting is some people look at the All-Star selection for him and, and they're happy for Silverberg in terms of, like you said, you know, he's, he's leading the team in goals, but he's playing all around uh, team defense, great two-way player. Uh, he's thrown out there in any kind of situation, as you mentioned as well. But some people are looking at the team as a whole, and they're thinking, well, if Silverberg's our all-star and that's it, then this team's in trouble. You know, there's not a whole lot of other players on there that are all-star worthy. Uh, And obviously, we know how the season's gone. What do you think about that in terms of, well, it's good for him, but doesn't show a good reflection on the team? Agree, disagree?
1: Um, I disagree. I mean, the way the All-Star process is now, I mean, it's hard for any team to have two All-Star levels. And obviously, there's different, uh, you know, the the selection process is different, right? You have the fan part of the voting, the coaches. Um, So, I mean, it's good that they have one representative. I think it's extremely hard to have two. I mean, in terms of having an all-star season, uh, I agree that is the only one who's having an all-star season, but a lot of times when you come to sele- selections like this, it's hard for you to have multiple all-stars or even a guy who's even worthy of an all-star, which Silverberg certainly is, but on a team that's struggling, it's usually hard to find a player who's really worthy of being that outside of just being selected just so a market is represented. But I think he's had a really good season and, Uh, you know, though the production hasn't been there all around, I think that if the team was stronger, um, I think you'd see more players represented.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of been, you know, I guess as Ducks fans, we've kind of been spoiled in the years past because we, we knew every season pretty much that the team was going to make the playoffs. It was just a question of, you know, where were they going to be ranked and how far were they going to go? And then, of course, as you and I talked last year, you know, the season was all crazy because with Carlisle and all of that situation. So we knew last season was up in the air. And now this season is also up in the air as well. So uh, but I agree. It's,
1: it's, up, it's, it's up in the air, but it's not really. I mean, it's if you want to like when you're doing a rebuild, you have to be realistic. Like it's always nice in the stories. There's always the you know, that organization that gets that rebuild going right away and they exceed expectations but you, you know for a successful organization you have to wait and be patient with the process so they have a new head coach Dallas Eakins, and anytime you have that there's going to growing pains there's gonna be a change in everything I've already discussed it in terms of my at my writing for the athletic in terms of just the system changes the the change in culture and all that takes time it's not just a drop of the hat it starts and built during training camp but really you know you're it's sort of like uh, the college uh, head coach right you're given a few years to really install your culture and system get the guys in that fit your system before you can truly be judged on the job you're doing or the true strength of the organization where they're at. So I think I'd always push patience when you have a first year uh, head coach with a new organization and the organization's in transition.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I've seen that too. It seems like people are, are more impatient. Uh, a couple points on that we can focus on. I guess one would be people may come back and say, okay, Jordan, I agree. Uh, you know, Dallas Akins is coming in. He has to get his system and whatnot, but then some people I'm just playing devil's advocate. They may say, well, you know, half of the goals team is up with the ducks and they've been under Dallas before. So shouldn't the rebuild take a little bit less time? What would you say to that?
1: I mean, I think there's an argument that could be made there, but at the same time, the AHL is far different than the NHL The of players that they're going against is different. So That's not really comparing apples to apples. A a player can come out of junior and they can be ready to make an impact in the NHL. They can be an NHL all-star for years and years to come, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be ready for the NHL or ever ready for the NHL. I think there's a lot of promising prospects that the Ducks have. And uh, another thing to keep in mind, like there's a lot of, there's a, a chunk of players who are extremely young, right? Entry level guys, under the age of 22, but um, but so th- they might not be having the production success that you might see from other rookies who are the same age on other teams, but it's easier for you to have that production success when the team is stronger. If you're drafted and you're playing for a St. Louis Blues or Boston Bruins or something like that, it's obviously going to be easier time. These guys are getting so much experience that should help them in the long run, so the production may not be there, but in the long run, they're going to be ready to contribute in more roles sooner rather than later because it's really trial by fire for these guys.
0: Yeah, and, and I've seen that too, as you talked about, a lot of the younger players, uh, some people are a little bit more impatient, you know, uh, the Max Jones, Steele, Terry. Of course, Terry's unfortunately hurt right now, but I've seen that with, you know, as you've mentioned, the dynamic of this team not being super strong, so you have a lot of younger players in there and, and I think, again, it's it's kind of the theme you talked about, being patient. Because just because, uh, you know, we talk about this on my show too, and you probably agree, you know, everyone feels like their prospects are the best. And they I think they have high expectations. Hey, you're going to get this guy, and, you know, he's going to be a 30-goal scorer in his first season. And it's like, okay. And I think some people put some pressure, for example, on Max Jones to be like that. And he hasn't scored a bazillion goals right away. It doesn't mean that he won't. As you've talked about, it takes time. So I think that's part of the dynamic here too, as well as giving these younger guys a little bit more of a chance. And as you said, the team dynamic—you have some veterans on the team, but the team overall is kind of shifting and trying to to mold. So for this season, uh, it's it's a work in progress, basically.
1: For sure, and there's and like even if we're looking at something as black or white as goal scoring, the team is struggling to create high quality chances i touched on that in the mid-season analytic report Correct. and that their that their expected goal shares are amongst the lowest in the league so there's not really that many goals to be scored so it makes it tougher on a young team so i think like they're playing faster but to, to you know an expectation 30 goal season 20 goal season for a rookie even on a really good team that doesn't happen often. That's, you know, one or two guys a year and we have three or four, we have three or four first year full-time NHL forwards and an extremely young blue line. So I think very talented prospector, if I still believe in a lot of those guys, but at the same time, you have to be realistic and know that it's a hard game being played. And these guys are, you know, 19, 20, 21. Um, And it's a process.
0: Yeah, and even, you know, some people forget, you look at the stats, and, and a lot of people look at the team stats, and they're like, okay, the Ducks, the Sharks, the Kings, they're all towards the bottom of the Pacific. You know, you know throw up the arms, the season's kind of an over type thing. But if you look at it, if the Ducks, just if they manage some kind of a win streak, even if it was, you know, three or four games, I'm not saying that we want to make the playoffs and be a contender, but they're really not that far away from being a decent team.
1: Yeah, the, you know, the, I think like the Ducks have been really interesting this year on that front because, like I said, they are struggling to develop goals, but they still have Gibson, who he might not have the phenomenal numbers, but like he's playing, he's playing extremely well and has kept the games tight. Right? They're in a lot of really low-scoring games, so if they can just find that little bit of extra offense, it's going to make a huge difference. Like you like, you know, in the beginning of the year, they're playing a lot of tight games and they're winning uh, because of Gibson and because of timely goals. So if they can kind of get back to instead of losing that one goal game and winning more of those one goal games and winning at low scoring, then you can see them definitely make a surge back up the standings. Like in terms of, I think they're playing winning hockey. It's just difficult to win in today's NHL when you're not scoring goals. And if you just kind of compare where they are as a team to other teams, well, specifically LA and uh, San Jose, That you mentioned, like LA has done a great job in generating offensive chances, and their expected goal shares are amongst the best in the league, but they struggle in having finishers. They just have guys who can't score. So they're both yielding the same results, but they're getting it in completely different ways. So I think that's something that's also worth following the duration of the season and through while both coaches are on, or both teams have a fresh coach and are building into the future
0: yeah i, I think that's an interesting point i th- I think at times the ducks have been like that too as far as you've seen like uh max jones for instance i know i talked about him earlier but he, there's been chances that he's had and he's had near misses it seems like sam Steele has been in that category and and troy terry as well so it, it to me it seems like there is some of that element with this team especially with the young guys it feels like they're putting plays together they're getting a little bit better as the seasons progressed. Like you said, they're in really, really tight games. It's true. A lot of these duck games are decided, you know, one or two goal, um, affairs overtime. Uh, even last night's game against, uh, Nashville was a shootout, which they pulled out, which was, you know, again, a close, a very close game. And Gibson made a huge, huge save in that one, as you were talking about, uh, him keeping the ducks in it. Uh, you know, he, he really made a fantastic save where I was sitting I I couldn't believe it didn't go in I had to look at the replay because it was such a close play last
1: night's a perfect example I mean he let up four goals and you usually don't want to let up four goals for a win but the way that game was going he made the big saves to keep the ducks within striking distance the whole whole game so like that's the type of season he's having he's not having a great statistical season but whether it is a low scoring game or the you know the goals start going back and forth and chance to start getting traded he's made those big saves to keep him in there and regardless of his numbers i still think he's you know a top five goaltender in the league
0: oh yeah you, you'll get no argument for me on there that uh i agree with you there may be uh, certain games where his numbers weren't quite as good as you said but he's still up there and he and, and like you said he's a huge huge reason why the ducks do win uh games even with the lack of offense um another good piece that you wrote about too, talking about some of the players and analytics um on the athletic. You you had talked about um some of the players and how they've done. Uh you, you mentioned uh Silverberg in the piece. You also talked about Getzloff, Raquel, uh Fowler, and Henrique. Um most of these guys, again, just looking at goals, have been kind of the leaders on the team in scoring. Uh Silverberg with 15, Henrique with 14. Gets and Raquel with 10 and Fowler with nine. They're all up there in the top of the uh, the team. But uh, I was reading your piece and going over what do, you, what do you think about some of the players and how they've done, you know, kind of midway through the season in conjunction with your, your midseason report you did, which was also a, a good look at the Ducks as well. Um, in terms of these guys, I, I know it looks like some of them, uh, their expected performances are, are exceeding and then some maybe not so much.
1: Yeah, I mean, so for for the Ducks report I did, it's really those it's really those guys are are really driving everything for the team. And if you compare the report I did, uh, the Ducks compared to the Kings, you'll see that there is a lot more positives on the Kings side. But those were the guys on the Ducks that are really driving play. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll touch on a few of those guys, but I'll start off with Henrik. Uh, he had two goals last night, obviously, and you um, like he signed that, he signed that contract, uh, what was it? Two summers ago. And, um, like he's been just so consistent for them. And I think he's such a great, uh, player for the young guys to be around. Like I, I really, I really like his game. I think his contract that he has is valuable and he's been steady. And then like we've talked about Silverberg, like he's had a phenomenal season. He's another guy that just does a little bit of every, a little bit of everything. And, Getzlaff is always gonna Get and Raquel like they're always going to be up there for the Ducks. Um, Raquel obviously just a pure scorer, and Getzlaf just knows how to produce. And you know, I wrote in that piece that I'd love to see Getzlaff shoot more. And, and <laughs> I've ever written anything about Getzlaff. if there was a negative, it's always shooting. And then I always, I always make a note in anything I write about Getzlaff saying like, "Well, I know he's just going to go out and you know." throw it in my face, because last night he had three assists, right? Like, with the guy's right. creativity and vision, like, it's hard to second-guess it, but, like, but then with a the shot like goal. his, yeah. exactly. I mean, <laughs> he can score goals, and uh, I don't know if him scoring more is going to, or shooting more is going to result in more wins for the Ducks, because I really trust his decision-making. But it's crazy just seeing how he performs above his goal expectations and just the possessed the shot that he has. To think that if he did think shoot first more, how many goals he how many more goals he he have actually scored in his career
0: yeah I, and you know it, only in that one game last week did we see really that drop pass come back uh in the overtime? He made a great move and <laughs> had the puck right in front of the net and then did the drop pass, and then the ducks ended up losing uh in in the shootout uh last week, and it was like, oh my god i was I was cracking up because like you said, everyone's always about him passing. They're always on on up for that, and that was the one. He hasn't really done the drop pass so much this season. It looks like he's he's been you know doing more effective passing, uh, staying away from that kind of uh, technique. He had a really great one last night that that could have won it um in the three on three a a really sick uh pass where he made a good move and that one I thought was a great play just the Ducks couldn't convert and it was okay because they went to the shootout and won but I think he's kind of gotten away from that don't you think a little bit I mean we only really saw it uh, last week a couple times
1: yeah I think so and I think that's more to just like the Ducks want to play faster right and usually when you're pulling up or doing job passes like you know you're playing a little slower in transition but anytime you can advance the puck toward the opposing goal um you know more more times than not you're going to generate chances whether they're high level chances or not at least you're going to get traffic on goal so I, I, I definitely have noticed that a bit more this season as well
0: so with that with everything that's going on you know we've been talking about patience and trust the process and you know, we're talking about the main guys like you, you said like you know getzloff silverberg uh, raquel uh, Henrique and Fowler, the guys that are leading the team, uh, not just in points, but overall games we've been talking about. Um, you know, the trade deadline's coming up. Uh, I'll, I'll have like a separate show kind of going over a whole bunch of this stuff. But you have that. Then, of course, you have the expansion draft that's looming as well. Um, and it seems like some people are kind of ready to just hit the fire sale button, uh, maybe try to trade Silverberg. I, I know you talked a little bit about it in your piece that you wrote for The Athletic. But... Do you think that the Ducks should try to trade Silverberg because, you know, his value is really high right now? He made the all-star game. He's leading the team in in scoring and whatnot. Or or should they, you know, trade other players too and try to, like, speed up this uh, rebuild process?
1: Uh, I don't think that they should try to trade Silverberg uh, for a couple reasons. One, the deal that they have him on is awesome for a player for his versatility. I think it's at like 5.25 a year. Correct. So I think that's extremely valuable, especially as the cap is projected to rise. So you're going to have a player, an all-star level player now, at that cap hit who's 29 years old. And even though your team's going through a rebuild, he rebuild, he's an important piece. And I think that's the second point. If you're going to go through a rebuild, you still need... A veteran presence. So, if you can have a veteran presence who's still 29 years old and theoretically maybe in the prime of his career, I think you keep him over other possible forwards that might be available who might have, you know, expiring contracts, obviously. But at the same time, like if I was an NHL team, pretty much any team that's looking to make a serious push to the playoffs, I'd be calling. Murray every single day about <laughs> just because his just because if you can get an impact player who still has four years left on his deal after this season, I believe and, and is 29 years old, so the contract is going to age well. He's still going to be playing really good hockey and you have a guy who can literally do everything for you. He just like you know, if any team tried to acquire him like he's the type of guy that I believe could push any team like over the top that if a, like if a team were to able to acquire him, like they have a really good shot of making it to the Stanley cup final, just because of what he can add in addition to whatever pieces that they already have that made make them a playoff team. So I would definitely try to call the ducks, but if I were the ducks and I'm in a rebuild, he's the one guy who I'm like, I want to keep around. I want, I want this guy around because he's going to age well with the young talent that's already there.
0: I think that's a key point, like you said, too, is a lot of people forget about the contract. And yeah, you're right. You know, he's got four more years. And it is a good deal. You know, just over $5 million uh, for everything that he brings. Uh, you know, another thing we didn't even touch on, too, is even his uh, shootout ability. You know, he's got a couple uh, shootout goals as well. And we've seen him, you know, just snipe goals left and right in the, in the extra session. And that's huge, too, because some of these games, like you said, you, you get down uh, and it's it's a tie game. And it comes down to the shootout and the fact that you can put him out there on the ice and uh, you know, you know, not every time, but he has more you know, chances than not that he's going to score in a shootout and help you guys get that win. And we've seen him
1: do that a couple times this season already. He's a, he's a do everything guy. Like, I mean, he, that's what makes him so valuable. And just the cap hit that makes him so valuable for other teams to really go all in. And like, you know, I, I would imagine if, like a first rounder would have to, or a first rounder and a prospect would have to be a part of it just because of just the value of the contract and that's something that a trend that we're we're seeing a lot in the NHL right now in terms of like cap like the the, the value that teams are putting on a cap space right we saw that with that Marlow trade from Toronto to Carolina they right. pretty much said hey we'll eat his cap hit his cap space for a first rounder right so i think because of just the bargain deal that that type of player is on that he'd command a high draft pick and more, especially at the trade deadline. So but just as valuable as he is cap wise to other teams, he's just as valuable for the Ducks to continue to keep in a rebuild so they have more money to go out and get supporting players to support him and the young guys. But if you know, if if he's a long, long term player for the Ducks and who knows what's gonna happen like who knows like know gets last career's plans or whatever but like he's the type of guy who's a future captain you know what i mean I, could, I think he's very valuable that way it just leads by example
0: Oh, i agree 100 percent. definitely leads by example and i think you're right if people are calling murray they're going to be having to throw you know s- some serious you know uh deal on the table for him to consider it because like you said if you want him to stay on the team and be part of that rebuild uh, for the next couple seasons, and and then even for the turnaround after that, you know, when, when the team gets back, hopefully to where they were, like we talked about, the all the previous years uh, before last season, um, that would be huge. If Murray does stay put with Silverberg, if he says no, I'm going to keep him for all the reasons you talked about, which are all very good reasons, and he says I'm not going to, you know, I want this guy to be part of the core going forward do you still think that maybe some of the other players could be traded? Do you think that they're, you know, the ducks could be sellers at the trade deadline to try to speed up the rebuild and maybe not necessarily get other, um, you know, current players in the NHL, but maybe try to get some more prospects or draft picks or whatnot.
1: Well, it's tough because they don't have too many expiring contracts of value. Right. I mean, right. You have round, you have Rowney, you have Shore, um, you know, there's rumors about Kasha before the year. I mean, maybe yeah. they look into that again if they get calls. You got DeLaurier um, and the rest are pretty much entry-level guys. So, like, you're you know, you're, you're you know, unless you're, give, unless not I'm not going to say give up on a prospect, unless you're looking to move a prospect for, you know, a potential you know, draft pick or something like that. There's really not much they can do up front and even on the defensive side, I mean, a lot of, you know, they have a couple, well, they have a good amount of young guys and Fowler's not going anywhere. I don't think Lindholm's going anywhere. I don't think Manson's going anywhere. Right. Just, so, I mean, it's, they don't really have anyone to trade. I mean, I think um, you know, another writer colleague, uh, Eric Seppens, mentioned uh Ryan Miller if a team looking to have a tandem. But I think the Ducks would probably show him the respect because he wants to be at home with his family, right? So I don't think there's, a too, there's too many options for the Ducks to really provide other teams in order to get draft picks back other than you know Silverberg. but that's going to take a first rounder a top prospect and another piece in my opinion to be a start to start that conversation so
0: yeah, I think that's the thing I looked at, too, is with this trade deadline coming up. Typically, the Ducks don't make huge moves right at the trade deadline. Usually, you know, if you look at some of the things, Murray will do things in the off season, or, you know, like Henrik in the beginning of the season, things like that. It doesn't seem like he makes huge moves. And a lot of people get upset at that um i think in the past it was a different scenario with this team like i said the team we all knew that they were pretty much going to make the playoffs for so many years in a row and they won the pacific division for so many years in a row so back then people were like well let's add one player that one player that can win us the cup now this season and even last season it's like okay how are we going to try and fix this team faster but like you said you look at the 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 team, I mean, there's not a lot of people that you could really trade on here, and outside of Silverberg, and get a you know value in terms of a lot of high draft picks or prospects to, you know, speed it up. And I think the system, and, and we'll talk a little bit too here about the World Juniors too with uh, Um The Ducks have a lot of players in the system right now, and, and to me, uh, I think, like we said, unless they do something big with uh, Silverberg. They should rely on the players they have on the team now, the the youth that's there, the other ones down the goals, and the guys coming up because, uh, like you mentioned, certain players can jump into the league right away, and Zegras may be one of those guys that can jump in there right away. I mean, he, he was phenomenal at the World Juniors, so the Ducks have plenty of players in the pipeline, and like you said, it just may take a season or two for some of them to start firing on all cylinders.
1: Yeah, and you know, just touching on well, we can kind of start the conversation regarding Zegers. I mean, right now, the Ducks have, what, Lundstrom, Jones, Steele, Terry is at four entry-level forwards on the team right now. Right. So, by the time Zegers comes in the fold and then you consider the expansion draft, I don't think all four of those guys are going to be there because if you're adding a guy like Zegers, you have Silverberg, Henrik, you know, Getzlaff, probably, Kasha. Like, you know, all these guys are kind of regarded as top six forwards, top nine forwards, they're all not going to be there, so, you know, if there was some sort of move to be made, and maybe that's not a trade deadline thing, maybe that's not a summer thing, uh, you know, maybe they move on from one of those young guys to kind of make way for Zegers, because, you you know, you're drafting players to play top six role, or top nine role, or top three, power play, whatever, and a lot of the top prospect guys that the ducks have are for that top six role but they have other guys in the fold who are waiting to get their opportunity and there's not enough room and by the time you know zebras comes uh, who knows when that's going to be um you know i i still i i'm it's such a great world Juniors where it would make sense that maybe they try to get him to come out you know this season but Maybe he needs to get stronger with another year, but by the time these entry levels start expiring and people need to start getting qualified, I mean, something's going to, you know, going to give, because I don't think he's going to leave BU to go play in the American League. Yeah, exactly.
0: And you're right, it it, it will be kind of a crowded field at that time, too. Uh, You know, A young crowded field. Exactly, exactly. Which I think, you know, to me, that's a good problem to have, right?
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, the same thing happened... If we kind of look back, uh, the same thing happened on the defensive side a few years ago, and correct. Uh, that, that, I mean, I guess anyone can have their opinion on how they think that was handled, but they had, you know, montor Theodore, um, you know, even that heed that heed guy who plays for uh, the Sharks. You <laughs> know, he's a he's a Ducks draft pick, and they you know they couldn't even sign him um, because they just had so many of it, right? And, I'm sure they wish they had one of those guys now, at least one of them, uh, because I think they're kind of lacking that extreme dynamic guy. And he Theo's playing great. But you, can, you know, they've been in this position before uh, on the defensive side, so it's always good to kind of have a wealth and ton of depth um, in a certain area. And right now they have it at, up front with their young guys.
0: You know, it's funny you talk about, you know, the defensive side and, uh, Theodore and, and some fans are still, you know, really sore about the Vegas expansion draft. And of course, like you said, the Ducks had some depth of defense. They knew that things were going to happen. And then they obviously, uh, had to make little, the little side deals, which a lot of teams did with Vegas, you know, take this guy. So you pick this guy instead of that guy and all this kind of stuff like that. Um, and then of course now Seattle's in the fold, um, you know, for me, I, I kind of don't like the expansion draft that way. That's just kind of how I feel. I think it's too much is going on. Like you remember when the other teams came in in the in the '90s, right? When the Sharks came in, the Ducks and Florida. You know, they they picked the player from each team, and you could protect him. You know, very similar way. Uh, the the little side things, though. I, what do you think about that? I'm kind of curious because you know what I I just I,
1: I personally think Vegas. Uh, I think I think it's going to go very different when Seattle has their chance at the expansion chat. I think Vegas had, they just, I feel like they really pulled one over on the entire league. Yes, what yes. They were, What they were able to get, the fear uh, teams had and losing, you know, this player or that player. Yes. It really kind of got sensationalized to the point where, you know, the, you know, <laughs> Vegas almost wins the Stanley Cup the first year. I know, Granted crazy. Yeah. Granted, they you know overachieved, but like they got you know you get Sha you got Shea Theodore for not you know yeah. I don't even know I don't I don't even know I don't even remember the full thing, but you know <laughs> you you don't you don't pick a guy on the Ducks roster and then you look at it two years later and you're like we got Shea Theodore like an elite puck moving defenseman like and you know you can just go down the list and then and then with the amount of uh, like prospects and like bargaining chips (laughs) they were able to get to draft the players that they draft like glass or to make the cap space and i mean they got patch ready and stone based off all the chips off the pieces that they got right from different teams drafting players i mean (laughs) it was crazy it's honestly it's unbelievable like honestly hats off to McPhee and that whole because like they I, they they really pulled one over on the entire league. Like I I see and that's gonna hurt. So like I think people from who are gonna follow Seattle are gonna be super pumped about, you know, the team coming, like we have a chance to win. Like I don't think I don't think that I don't think these guys are gonna get fooled like that again or pressured like that again.
0: Yeah. Um, some
1: teams will who might have an embarrassment of, of riches, but um yeah, I don't think it's gonna happen like that again. That was too good in a lot of mistakes
0: were made. Yeah, you you'd think maybe some of the GMs and owners going into this a second time around maybe got a little bit wiser, and they're not going to be like like you said, so sensationalized that oh my god, I'm going to lose this forward or I'm going to lose this defenseman, you know. And and then I'll oh, well, I'll give them this guy, so they pick that guy. I, I just to me, it was just crazy the way that that unfolded. There was like so much news going on around the expansion draft about who
1: got what, yeah. where, all these little, sure. you know crazy. The like you said, the side deal part of it is obviously what kind of made, what is what made Vegas into what they are now. Like, uh, you know, one of the best organizations already in the NHL. Every player would love to play there. They built such a culture, but it's really those little side deals, like the one that we saw with Theodore, um, is what you know is what made that organization unbelievable.
0: Yeah, and, and, and of course, you know, the Ducks have to deal, you know, battle it out with them. I mean, it was it was great to see them at least finally win at home uh, against Vegas. You know, they had never beaten uh, the Golden yeah. Knights at Honda Center. And that was actually, the Ducks played a really good game in that one. You know, they they jumped out to that 4-1 to one lead until uh, the Knights got a couple of late goals. But that was finally a good performance uh, with the team. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, they lost when they were in Vegas, and, and there was all kinds of stuff going on in that game. Uh, some things that I, I really didn't like, uh, you know, it's kind of, maybe pick your brain a little bit on that if you saw that game, but they had uh, they had the penalty shot in that game where, where uh, Manson was called, and I didn't necessarily agree with that call. I thought he, he hit the stick and played the puck pretty well, but... What did you think about that play as far as him defensively because you know it ended up you know the ducks were trying to get back in into it and then it ended up going to a um penalty shot and Marshall Schill scored um and also some people thought maybe Marshall Schill brought the puck backwards which I didn't see that part of it I just I thought the penalty shot was a little bit much in my opinion on that play
1: well I think it's I think it's subjective I mean me personally as a player like I think anytime a player has a pretty you know, like I said, it's subjective in that way, but right. if you have a pretty clear route to the goal and you're inhibited any way, whether it's stick or anything like that, like I believe it's a penalty shot because without anyone, without that person protruding you in that way, you were going to have a breakaway. Right. And I thought the Marcioso goal, he did come back. I was surprised that that was allowed uh, or that that was a good goal because he, he stopped and, he went back, and I was I was actually really surprised. I remember looking at it uh, a couple of times, just on Twitter later at night, and like that, you know, that I don't think that is in the spirit of how a shootout should go in terms of what the rules are.
0: Yeah, that was a close play. I mean, that that was that was the after that game happened. That was the two big points. One was should it have been a penalty shot, and then two, did the puck not continuously go forward? And you and you, it it
1: definitely didn't go for it. I think that's maybe the benefit of replay. Right. You know, us having slow motion because I didn't really think much of it when I saw it. Right. I thought I thought it was maybe borderline. And usually I always go, you know, tie goes to the skill, right? Like I usually like it for the goals, but you know, when you see it in slow motion, I was just like, that should not have been a goal, and and that's something that Toronto covers and all that too, right?
0: Right. Right, I mean, I, I and I talked about it on the show too with my co-host before. We don't think it would have changed the outcome e- either way. Just it just was kind of interesting because it caused so much discussion amongst those two points. You know, whether it was a penalty shot and then whether the goal was valid. So it was kind of interesting. I you know, and I think kind of the theme with this team, you know, looking back at some of these games recently too, is it seems like you remember a couple seasons ago they could never play well in the second period. Now it, it seems like the ducks are playing well in two of the periods, and then there's always one period where they kind of slump. Um, is that something that you think is coaching, or do you think every team goes through that, or is it just the ducks? Uh, why do you think that I, they have I a bad think, period? I think
1: every team goes yeah. through that, but I also think you know a bulk of their a bulk of their uh, you know lineup is young players, especially up right. front. And right. they're adjusting to the NHL schedule and travel. Sure, they're chartering jets, but I mean, I remember I was talking to uh, you know, a former teammate of mine in college, Devontae's with the Islanders, I'm like, I, I was like, Hey, how's your first season in the NHL going? He's like, It's a grind. I'm like, Okay, well you know, you're not, you know, taking buses like I was in American League or flying southwest just, <laughs> you know, doing that. You're taking but he's just you know, he was he was explaining to me just like, you know, if you're going you're playing those back to backs and Uh, You know, you play minutes like that, it's really hard, especially for a young player who hasn't done that. So it's kind of them finding their thing. So I I just think that's part of the growing pains of a young team. Um, And I think that's something that maybe, you know, I'd like to think that it's going to get, you know, whited this year. But that's just part of growing up and getting used to the NHL schedule. And It's really up to the veterans to kind of get the team guided and help the young guys along in that regard.
0: Well, you know, we saw kind of a flip of the script last night, too, and they played at Nashville. I mean, the Ducks were just dropping shots on the left and right. They had, like, almost 50 shots in 60 minutes of play. It was, like, the craziest thing. I was like, what What team is this? Where is this coming from?
1: <laughs> yeah, they've shown, they've shown, like, a few times this year that they can really play up to their competition. And that's another thing I think that's kind of can be attributed to a young team, right? Like, you know the standings. Like, you know Nashville's a solid team or... But, you know, then you go play a team, um, you know, who's struggling in the standings. Like and Detroit. Like, you know, exactly. And you're yeah. like, oh, this is going to be easy. And then, you know, it's not that easy. So, um, I just, that's just part of learning to be a pro every single night. And the team just working through it together.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, we've seen that this season too. Because they've had some games where they played teams that, like you said, aren't performing as well, like Detroit, for example, Chicago, not doing as well as they, you know, have and maybe seasons past. But then they'll play games, like, for example, they play the Islanders in that wild game, you know, yeah. and, and, that, and it was crazy. They ended up winning that one six to five. So Yeah,
1: I was, like, shocked. I was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, who's this yeah, team
0: again? I like, so I yeah. I think a lot of people uh, talk about that too, and they're like, well, the Ducks play up to the competition, they play down to the competition, do you think a, a lot of that is, is more of this rebuilding in the younger players and them just trying to figure out hey we got to play consistent every night and, and more, I would, you know? yeah
1: I would I would think so I mean the pro guy, the guys have been there for a while they know that it's the NHL and, and you can be gotten on every single night but I mean you know for a younger guy like you know hey you know, you know you're a younger guy you haven't really produced as much as you like you're like okay like here's my opportunity against Detroit Thinking that it might be a little easier than it really is, and hey, you know they have NHL players too, and they got young guys who, you know, same age as you guys who're looking to make a name for themselves. and They're thinking the same thing, so it's you know it's really, you know, whoever has the better mentality that night because you know they have the same kind of young group, you know, in Detroit who's looking to kind of make a name for themselves too.
0: You know, it's funny, you talk about the mental part of the game, too, which I think a lot of us don't focus on. You know, most people look at, hey, how many goals did this guy score? How many assists? What's his plus-minus, which I don't even like the plus-minus stat. I like to look more at the analytics, because plus-minus is kind of more a team stat uh, a little bit. Um, For sure. I mean, you're you getting
1: uh, you're getting a statistic there. Uh, you're one of five or six right. players, if you count the goalie on the ice. I mean, I've had seasons where I've been, Plus a bunch, and I've had season where I've been minus a bunch. I mean, there's a whole lot of different factors that go into that. So I, I, I don't like that stat unless it favors me. <laughs> but it's not that reliable of a stat.
0: Right, I agree, I agree. Uh, talking about the mental part, because you've played the game and whatnot, how much does the mental part... You know, impact your play. Would you, you know, if you were to put a percentage on it, you know, like one hundred percent or fifty percent? What would you say? Especially being younger players developing in the NHL, transitioning from the AHL, as you said, it's more of a grueling experience, which Dallas Akins has talked about as well.
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, I don't want to say one hundred percent. It's one hundred percent mental, but uh, I'd like to put it this way, right? Like if you are drafted or signed to an NHL contract, like there is a you only. It's very hard to get an NHL contract. Like, extremely hard. And, like, I played in the American League for a few years, but I was on an NHL contract my rookie year, and then I was just on AHL contracts from that point on. So, it's very hard to do that. Even I've had good seasons and I've been on American League deals. So, I'm just saying it's very hard to get an NHL contract. So, if you keep that in mind, a team signs you to an NHL contract. They believe that, in some capacity, if called upon, if you develop, that you can be or are an NHL player, meaning you have tools that work in the NHL and they see that from you. So the team believes you have the tools, you've shown that you've had the tools and you've obviously had to prove it at a certain level. So so what's keeping you from the NHL? So I think a big part of that is just mentally. Can you mentally bring can you mentally find and bring your game every single night? right to the level that the team that's you know believing you thinks that you can play and obviously you know outside of like i always say like if you're a top 6 guy or a top you know four defenseman like you belong in the nhl and then outside of that like a bottom 6 guy or like you know it could be about you know you impress this scout who's going to fight for you or this coach you know you 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 know when you're like a bottom guy on an nhl roster it's more of like what are those traits that make you valuable so even from when you look at that like that's even more mental so it's like every night like i need to be phenomenal on the penalty kill every night i need to finish every single check and if you just played two games and you had a night off you're playing your third night in four game, or yeah your third game in four nights are you gonna be mentally prepared to take hits and make hits even though your body's just like i need a break So I think the mental part's huge, and that's especially for a rookie. When there's so much going on, there's so much new, I think the mental part is huge in terms of you having a good year and a bad year. And I know for myself personally, I struggled with the mental side. My rookie year, I was in the Sabres organization, and the organization was a mess. But I know there's some adversity that went on that I wish I would have handled a million times better. Um, And I think that would have largely changed how that season went, but it also made me stronger. For the years going further so i think the mental part's huge sorry to ramble there but I, it's it can't be it can't be stated the nothing either.
0: no no i appreciate it i mean you you've got first-hand experience that's why i asked the question I, another part of that you kind of talked about is you know we talk about draft picks and 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 being you know um high up in the draft you know first round you know maybe top 10 or or just first round or second rounder and then, like you said, that uh, desire to produce every night—whether it's hey, I'm the guy that's got to go score goals, I'm the guy that's got to shut him down, I got to win these key faceoffs, things like that. Do you think draft position two is something that is added, maybe by players and internally, is is, is mental uh, stress? I guess is you know, like hey, I was drafted in uh, the first it, round.
1: I think it depends. I mean, like uh, when I was with Buffalo, or when I signed in Buffalo uh they drafted uh what's his name oh brandon lemieux right um who was supposed to be a first rounder but he was wound up being the second you know the first pick in the second round and he gets out in front of the cameras he's all pissed off and he literally plays with that chip on his shoulder every single night like i remember (laughs) i remember doing prospect camp with the kid and he was still fuming about it and he just played with such an edge in it you know and it powered him i mean. I think draft position can really mean what you want. I know I didn't get drafted my first year of eligibility. I got drafted my second year of eligibility. And I was the fourth to last pick by the thrashers who aren't even an organization anymore. But <laughs> me, but, me uh, but a team in the NHL uh, thinking I had some sort of NSL future meant everything to me. So I went and played for a shitty team at Bowling Green uh, my freshman year. But I thought I, I, but I mentally was in such a great place. Cause I'm like, man, like, I, I, I'm going to be an NHL player like this team believes in me, like I'm drafted. So I think it just kind of all depends on like who the person is. You can kind of spin it however you want. Right. I just say, just, you know, spin it to whatever is going to make you good. Some players will be complacent if they get drafted, or other players will be pissed that they weren't drafted high enough. Or, right. You know, they thought they were drafted too low, it all, it all depends.
0: Yeah, I, I think, like you said, it, it does depend, and there are factors in there. I can see that too. Where if you're not drafted as high, you use it as motivation, or like you said, you're you're drafted high up, and you're like, oh, I can just coast. You know, I made the first round. I, I'm here. Let's go. So I think yeah, that, you see that you know, all the time with yep. young
1: guys, especially the ones who are first rounders, second rounders who start off in the American League. Like, I think that's a difference, like between the ones who make it and the ones who don't. Like, a, it's the mental side. B, it's keeping the confidence and having to maintain that confidence even if the results aren't instant. And C, just, you know, pretty much just because you drafted doesn't mean you accomplished anything yet. You know, you've never played in the NHL and you're not a full time NHLer. So you just got to keep that that in mind. Like getting drafted, that's just beginning the journey. Right. Sign the entry level contract, that's just beginning. You still haven't played in the NHL yet. And even when you play in the NHL, you know, you haven't played enough games to get a pension there. You know what I'm saying? I guess <laughs> right. there's, there's, it's, there's, a, there's a bunch of
0: different levels to it. Right. And, you know, talking about all those different levels and everything, like we said, this Ducks team has a lot of those types of players now, players that have come up in the system. Like you said, you know, they're only in their first or second year and everything going. Uh, I guess kind of to wrap up more of the show in the last part here is what do you think about this team as far as moving forward for this season if they're not sellers at the trade deadline uh, you know they keep they keep you know the Raquel Getzloff, Silverberg you know the the Henriks and all that that we've talked about they keep that core together Um, what do you think the plan should be for the Ducks uh, you know after the trade deadline and beyond basically.
1: Yeah, I I don't think I think you know I don't think the the Ducks aren't certainly aren't looking short-term looking for a long-term solution to get themselves back to where they were a playoff team every year and I think fans should kind of have that same idea in mind too when they look at the Ducks Um, this year I believe is just a culture-setting year I mean the results haven't always been there but you see how players have interacted with Dallas Eakins and how it makes them feel and how it makes how they feel you know more excited to go out and play every night. You have a guy like Deacon's there who cares for him. And then, you know, for the young guys, it's just about, okay, you're not producing, but still have that confidence and make the most of the experience that you're having. Like, you know, if you're, you know, it's like, it's a team like the Maple Leafs. They have so many prospects. They've had so many prospects that they've had to, who are really highly rated, like a Bracco, right? Like if Bracco was in right. the Ducks organization, who would have been in the NHL for two years, but he hasn't. So, like, they can appreciate having their first year or two years, mainly, of gaining professional experience at the NHL. And I think that's going to be extremely valuable for them. So I think, you know, this year, it's just not focusing on the short term, but knowing that the Ducks at least have a plan and a process that they believe in in getting back to where they want to be. Whether it works out or not, time will tell, but I think – should always be happy that a team has a plan and that they're sticking to the plan and it seems like that's what they're doing right now
0: yeah i think like you said they're not in panic mode it doesn't seem like hey come the trade deadline let's just sell all the big name players that we can that don't have you know no trade clauses and whatnot let's just try and you know speed this up bit more I, I don't know if there's that much speeding up more to do i think a lot of it starts with the coach and you know him well and and a lot of the players have talked about it the um, you know the atmosphere and the, the attitudes in the locker room has is, is vastly improved this season with Dallas Aikens at the helm.
1: For sure, and like I said, it's the anytime you have a new coach or you're you know, rebuilding or you know, transition process, whatever anyone wants to call it. Uh, I think the normal thing is for it to be rough for a year, or a year and a half, or whatever. It's not usually instant results, so I think you got to keep that in mind on what's realistic and I think that I think that what's happening right now with the Ducks is realistic. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have a better record or they should have a worse record. We've already touched on how many close games they've been in and right. what could have been and what should have been. It could have gone either way, but I think that you're seeing what the Ducks are with your eyes on a nightly basis, but now you're gonna just going to continue watching the, the development because I think the players have made strides especially the young guys from day one to whatever game 42 that they're on now. So, I mean, that should be encouraging. And I think at least the young guys that I know on the team, like Larson and Max Jones, I've played on, I played on the line with them play off San Diego. Like, you know, those, those two guys are high confidence guys. Like, and they work hard. So like, for me, like, I don't have any fear that they're not going to pan out and be productive players for the Ducks moving forward. And, um, I just think patience is the key for all of
0: them. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, the other thing is some of these games we talked about, we've seen this team have uh, flashes of greatness. You know, they've played in some of these games, and they've done well. Maybe not dominating on the scoreboard necessarily, but, I mean, even – Uh, And the game against Nashville, you look at the way they started the game with all the goal or excuse me, all the shots. It was like, holy crap, you know, and then then for them to uh, they got behind, but then they you know, rattled off a bunch of goals and got ahead again. Uh, We've seen flashes of that throughout the season and we've seen them play well. We talked about it a lot of times against the higher quality teams, not so much the other teams, but it's there. I think the big thing with this team is trying to figure out, like you and I have talked about, is how to do that consistently period from period and night in and night out.
1: Yeah, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head, and uh, I think that's what this year is about, figuring out how to bring that consistency. And uh, then, you know, when that year rolls around, uh, you want to see the next step to that. You want to see them playing, you know, at 90% or 80% of what they're capable every single night, no matter who the competition is.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then when that happens, we'll I'll have you on the show again at that point and then we'll be back and we'll talk about how they're doing it next season. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: So, thanks. I appreciate you coming on. I know it's kind of short notice. I was going to hit you up uh after you written the article, but then the timing kind of worked out good cuz uh, you know, Silverberg making, you know, All-Star news and then, you know, uh people talking about some trade stuff. So, I think it it worked out really good and I uh I always appreciate uh, you know you taking the time to come and talk to me, and I know we talk on social media too as well.
1: Yeah, no problem. Happy to join and contribute, and um, yeah, always good to catch up with you.
0: Thanks, appreciate it.